Ah, well, it is such a, a blessing to be here again tonight. And, you know, we had a great time with the men from, uh, from Tucson this morning, along with the men from, from here. And there's nothing greater than when the body of, of Christ gets together and we work together as one body. You know, it's not fragmented pieces. It's not people that, you know, well, we go to this church and this is our, we don't have a church. Because every one of us now, we've come into the kingdom of God. Amen? We're all part of a kingdom which supersedes every individual church church. So it's a place where we all just get to um, glorify the king in different areas. And it's supposed to be local church. It's supposed to be some place where you can get to without, you know, driving for three hours. Uh, some people do, but it limits what they can do in the church. And that's why God, you know, the, the purpose of it all is to set it up so that each one of us are, it's easy access to come together to worship, to get fed, and then to, to get out of here. This, that's, and that's the issue. The issue is not coming in and getting fed because Lord knows as Americans we are fed. We're not fed very good food anymore. Um, you know, they, all the processed stuff, it's not like being overseas. <clears throat> India, it's all fresh. Iraq, it's all fresh. Uh, Egypt, it was there in the spring. It was all fresh. Lebanon, the fruit was amazing over in there. <clears throat> so we're eating processed stuff. But we've been fed, but the issue is going out. It's been the issue of the church since the beginning. You know, the first century church, those guys got busy, went out, and then it slowly started coming in and closing in on itself. And the minute that we close in on ourselves, the minute that we start just looking within and staying within the four walls, the enemy is very happy. Nothing pleases him more than for Christians to be afraid to go out, than for Christians to not speak the word of God outside the four walls of the church. Of course, the government would love it nothing, would love nothing more than you never preach the word of God unless you are in church. You're allowed to there, you're free. But outside of here, no, we don't want you to do that because you can be offensive. And yes, you can. You were offensive before Jesus, and now you can be offensive for righteousness' sake. Amen? Because the Word of God is always an offense to the natural mind. Every time the Word of God comes, the natural mind just starts to argue with it. Because we want to do our own thing. We want it our way. But when we take the Word of God and we, we proclaim it outside the four walls, everything starts to change. Everything inside of us starts to change. Because faith starts to rise. And I want to I want to encourage you <clears throat> tonight. Uh, well, let's let's pray first because I think I'm going to go a little off script tonight, Pastor Wayne. Father, we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We are such a grateful people, Lord. That before the worlds were formed, you already prepared each one of us for this day. You prepared your Son when we didn't even want him. When we were ignoring him, you set him up to take care of each and every one of us. And you said every single one that would receive him, he would come into their lives. He would not only forgive their sins and wash and cleanse from the inside out, but he would also renew and strengthen. And then the stripes that he bore would bring our healing. Not only in our emotions, not only in our minds through your word, but also in the natural body. You said that those stripes were for the healing of your sons and daughters. And Father, we're thankful tonight that you're no respecter of persons. For you said that anyone that asks shall receive. 
And Father, tonight as we, we walk in your promises, we walk in your word, we walk in your freedom that you have given us. Lord, there's such joy in our hearts. We're no longer condemned. For you said there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You said that, Lord, you'll always make a way for each one of us. And that all of us have access into your throne room through the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for renting that veil in twain, tearing it asunder, Lord, and giving each one who calls on your name access in to the most intimate place that man has always desired, and that's your beautiful presence. Well, we can join in with the four and the 20 elders and the seraphim and the cherubim, and we can magnify your name. We can look into your eyes and we see nothing but pure love. Father, in that love, it casts out all fear. We no longer walk in it. We're free from fear, for you have come in and transformed our lives. And we thank you, Father, that with you, Lord, we're strong. For you said in Ephesians that when we're weak, you are strong. And Father, we thank you for making us strong through the power of your word. Oh God, tonight we stand on your word. You have written your word for each one of us that we would never forget your insatiable love toward your sons and daughters. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for opening up our hearts and our minds to be able to receive everything that you have for us. Lord, we desire you more than anything else. And tonight, Lord, let us just enjoy your presence as we sit here. Thank you, Father, that we're able to rest in you. No matter what tomorrow brings, Father, right now we just rest in you. We know that you're with us. We know that you're for us. We know that the provision is already there for tomorrow. We know all of these things, Father, that our families shall be saved according to the word of God. Father, that no matter where we walk, you go before us. And Father, tonight we just rest in your presence. We cast off all the anxiety for you said in your word, be anxious for nothing. But in everything through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto the Lord. So, Father, tonight, we just ask you to anything that's been stressing, bringing anxiety to anyone here. Father, we just lay it at your, at your throne room. We lay it at the altar, O oh God. And we make a conscious decision not to pick it up again. Not to grab a hold of it and say, wait, I have to do this in my own strength. I don't know if I can let go, Father. You said, just let it go. And anything that we put on that altar, you said you're going to consume it. And it will never consume us again. So, Father, tonight, we thank you for the rest that you give us right now in your peace and in your presence. You said that your house will be a house of prayer. And yet so many so long, they spend so little time in prayer. Father, tonight, we just love being with you. We don't have to perform. We don't have to become. We don't have to try. We just get to enjoy a father who invites his sons and daughters in, everyone that calls upon your name, and you refresh us. Thank you for the refreshing tonight, right now. Father, before any other ministry is done, because when we're in your presence, oh, you overwhelm us with your loving kindness. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you for stripping away, stripping away everything that concerns us outside the Word of God, outside the purpose of God. Just strip it away. Lord, anything that man has put on us that has said you need to strive, forgive us for striving for the things of this world. Forgive us for striving in anything that we do. For you said that we're to come to you and walk in perfect peace. And you said it was a peace that we could walk in every day of our lives. You said it was a peace that when you gave it to us, you would never take it back. You would always allow us to enjoy it. And tonight, Father, we enjoy that peace. That all of our sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west. That we are righteous right now. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is nothing wrong right now. We are righteous. There's nothing lacking right now. We're whole in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. The blood was enough, and we'll stand on that all the days of our lives. We give you the glory tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, so many times we feel like we have to press into something or grab a hold of something. And yet God says, it's right here before you. How about instead of trying to grab a hold of it, how about enjoy it? How about just enjoy what I've already given you or promised you or told you? But so many times we get the mindset in our heads that we've got to do a little bit more. Can I tell you, he did it all. You don't have to do it. Because in order for you to try to do enough to please God, it'll never happen. In order for you to give enough to pay for your sins, it will never happen. The only way you're ever going to enjoy your Christian walk is to simply receive everything that he has promised. He said, if you believe, you'll receive it. Amen? He said, if you're going to ask me, then I'm your father who's going to take care of that and give it to you. <clears throat> when you ask in faith according to my word. And so as we stay within his word, which is easy to do because there's a whole lot of them words in there, amen? And there's not an area of our lives that's not covered by the power of his word. His word is eternal. It never returns void. One man said, they, they say that the smallest particle on the earth is a ray of light. And they said that in that, the smallest particle, one man, <clears throat> the, the scientists say that there's two waves in there. Now, if we look at the Word of God, we know that the Word of God says, let there be light, right? But if we look at the Hebrew rendition of let there be light, it really means, it, 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 uh, the Hebrew way of saying it is, light be. And so one gentleman said, the way that he pictures it in his mind is, if you could get out beyond the light, where if you could get somewhere in the universe where the light has not reached yet, and it's a little bit hard to do at 186,000 miles per second, amen, to, to beat the light. But he said, if you could get out into the darkness before the light has got there, and the scientists say that our universe is growing constantly, they can't find the end of it. So the light, when God spoke it, is still doing what he said to do. Amen? He said at one time, let there be light, and it started, and it hasn't stopped. But he said, if you could get outside the light and stand in the darkness, he said, when that light got to you, those two waves that are in there. There's two sound waves. He said, I believe that you would hear light be, and then woof, light would hit you. He said, because the word of God, when he spoke it, it was light be. 
And it's the smallest particle there is, and there's two waves that are in every ray of light. And it's a sound wave. And this is his thought process when he started reading the scientific evidence on it. And you know what? I wouldn't doubt it for a minute. Because that, that light, and then eventually, when that light goes all the way out and does everything it's supposed to do and accomplish what God spoke it to do, when it has permeated all the darkness, then it's going to return to him by accomplishing what he sent it to do. <clears throat> and that's what God's Word always does. God's Word hasn't stopped. It hasn't changed. One time he said, light be. One time he spoke and the earth was created. Amen? Just once. He didn't say, okay, uh, uh, earth. Um, he didn't second guess himself. He just simply spoke it. And he spoke over your life. And he said, if you'll ask me to forgive your sins, I'll do it. He said, if you'll say that my son, you be, or you, you trust in, in my son and you call him your king, your savior, your Lord, one time. He said, oh, I'll wash away all of your sins. I'll do it all. He said, I'll just keep doing it. When you make a mistake, you don't go back to square one. Isn't that good news? Because we're going to make mistakes, amen? But we don't go back to square one and start flogging ourselves again and throwing dust in the air and all of that, ripping our, our clothes. We, we don't do. We don't go back to the beginning where we didn't know anything. We start right where we're at. And we simply say, Father, forgive me. He said, okay, it's done. Now let's go on. Yeah, but don't I? No. Yeah, but no. There's no buts when I tell you you're forgiven. So stop pondering it. Stop thinking about it. Stop <clears throat> self-mutilating in our thought life. I'm not good enough. I'm no good. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I know I did it again. I swore I'd never do it again, Lord. And I did it again. And you'll probably do it again. Well, thank God His grace is enough, isn't it? And we've got to stay in that thought process. <clears throat> that just like this evening we took all of your anxiety, all of your cares, all of it, you had to do it on your own. No man can do it for you. Only thing we can do is lead you to a place where you say, yeah, you know what, I believe the word is true. And that you said I can cast all my cares upon you. And therefore I can walk in the freedom that you have promised me. We can teach it. We can beg you to do it. Listen, I've been begging my church to do it for years. Please do what the Word of God says. Yeah, but Pastor, you don't understand. I know I'm an idiot. I don't understand anything. All right? But I do know what the Word of God says. And I want to encourage you, regardless of what I understand, can you just agree with what the Word says? Yeah, but Pastor, you don't know what I went I, I know what you went through. I don't care what... It's not that I don't care what you went through. We understand everybody has gone through some traumatic stuff. Amen? So it's not that we don't care about that, but I don't care to hear it for the 47th time. How about we start to hear what he has done 47 times instead of what, you, what happened to you or what you did? Wouldn't that be amazing? If the whole church came in and they wouldn't stop talking about what Jesus Christ has done in their lives. If every time we walked out, we didn't say, oh, how you doing? It's hard. <laughs> brother, I'm trying. How was today? I did the best I could, brother, but... Nobody knows my sorrow. <laughs> How many times as a church we walk right out of faith and we dive headlong into doubt and unbelief? <clears throat> you know, I remember uh, years ago, because God wants to take you. Every one of us came out of bondage, and now we've come into freedom. Can we agree to that? Right? If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're free indeed. So you're free to do the deeds of your father. You're not free to do whatever you want to do. 
You were a slave to sin, now you're a slave to righteousness, the Bible says. So now we walk in accordance with the Word of God. What do those that are righteous do? We, we're kind to one another. We love God and we love one another. Does that make sense? Isn't that easy to do? Nope. <laughs> if it was easy, we'd all be doing it every day. But it's not. It's easy to love God. <clears throat> but the Scripture says, how can you love a God that you haven't seen if you can't love those that you have? And you see, we prove our love for God in the way that we love one another. We prove that the Word of God is working inside of each one of us when we learn to love one another. When we look at one another, and no matter what somebody else has done to us, ah, I just love them guys. That's my... That's my my kinfolk, you know, that's my, my wife from Biloxi, Mississippi. So I'm from New York. I, you get that kind of language when you, you live with somebody from Biloxi, Mississippi. <clears throat> but when we're all family and we're not looking for the weaknesses that I see, my goodness, are you kidding me? How can you even think about doing that? Are you out of your mind? Oh, that poor girl. We just need to pray for her even more. <laughs> Why can't we come up and say, my goodness, what a woman of God. She's taken her voice and she's glorified the king of glory. She has shaken the pillars of darkness in this whole area the moment she opened her mouth and said, Jesus Christ is Lord. Why, can't, why is it that we don't just step up every time that we see one another and bless each other in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, that's what God's looking for in each one of our lives. Amen? That's what he's looking for. He said, you want to be free? Good. Bless every single one. He said, bless and do not curse. That's what he said. <clears throat> We're in a stage in America where things are getting a little bit out of hand. I was telling Pastor Wayne, one church that a pastor friend of mine was in, big church, 20,000 members. Visiting pastor came up and said, uh, we're going to take up an offering today. He said, and I want you to bring your best offering. Best one you've ever brought and the biggest one you ever brought. He said, and I'm going to inspect your offering. And if it's good enough, I'm going to bless it. And if it's not, I'm going to curse it. Yeah, from the pulpit. From the, how goofy can we get? And how controlling can we be? But this is where man goes when greed or when arrogance or pride or any of that. And listen, none of us are void of that. Amen? Because that's something. There's only one way that God ever uses to destroy greed. Give. The only way to destroy it is give. If you struggle giving, greed has a hold in your life. It's that simple. The, the way that God, he said, I want you to give to me. Oh, no, I ain't giving to you, God. Mm, wait a minute, that's what my word says. But I'm, I want to encourage you to do this because I don't want that to have you or control you. You're going to have to give your way to your freedom. You give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That's the greatest giving we can possibly do. And then he says when finances or anything that he gives you, he said, I want you to give. That's the only way out. Otherwise, what I give you will control you. And you'll look at what you have. And they asked Rockefeller one time. They said, John, they said, how much is enough? He said, just a little more. So it doesn't matter how many millions you have. It's never satisfying. <clears throat> never satisfying that's why god said if you truly want to be free i want you to give and people that's all you guys talk about is giving 
Yes, it is. He gave, so we give. He gave His only begotten Son. He gave more than any of us will ever give. And He gave the only one that could set us free. And now He says, I want, to, I want you to take that little bit that you have, and I want you to learn to give. And I'm telling you, when you get set free in that area, how about just giving kind words? Most of the time, people talk about money. What about just kind words? Hey, Charlie, it's good to see you, baby. That's a good-looking man right there, you know what? Wow, that's a sharp-dressed man. <clears throat> no, I don't have problems with men either, all right? But that's where people go, oh, oh. No, why can't we compliment one another, building each other up, blessing each other? I mean, look, we got Batman in the house tonight. He's even wearing a shirt. <clears throat> why can't we just encourage? Giving words of affirmation. Speaking the word of God over one another. This is what God wants. This is what freedom sounds like. See, freedom sounds like, look, I don't even know most of you in here, not personally or whatever, but it's not a, that's not the issue. The issue is we're in the same kingdom together. The issue is you're a child of God. The issue is that everything you put your hands to, he wants to prosper. But the only way he can do that is if you get free in your giving. Because he said, when you give, oh, I'm going to take that seed. He said, I'm going to take that seed, I'm going to multiply it. And watch how I multiply. Because if one puts 1,000 and two put 10,000, God's multiplication blows ours out of the water. Amen? And so the kind words are the same thing. Some people are so critical all the time. You ever been around them? Yeah, not long. <laughs> we don't want to be around them long. As soon as you walk in, hey, how you doing? What are you doing here? Just came to be a blessing, brother. Just came to encourage you, sister. Just came to love on you. All right. What time are you leaving? <laughs> I don't know about you. That's, that's kind of house I grew up in. It was very critical. But I found that as I started to speak kind words, because like in our house, we grew up on 4077 MASH. I don't know if you guys watched MASH, but that was a, that was a show that we grew up on. My parents watched it all the time, and all they ever did was cut each other down. All they ever did was rip each other to pieces. <clears throat> and so that's all we knew. That's what the whole family did. Oh, yeah, nice shot. Oh, yeah, you too. You, you stink. Yeah, you're there. And that's all it was. And I, I got saved, and I'm sitting there thinking. I was short-circuiting in my mind. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to do this very well, but I need to learn how to encourage. Because if you're expecting someone to encourage you, guess what happens? You're going to have to sow some encouraging words. Amen? But if you're critical all the time, guess what people are going to be? Critical. So the sowing isn't just about finances. Giving isn't about finances. It's about who you are. You say, well, nobody ever gives me a hand. Right. Where do you ever sow your life into when someone else needs a hand? <clears throat> do you ever take your time? Yeah, but I'm very busy. Well, so will they be when you need a hand. So it's a way of thinking that we need to step away from and say, wait a minute. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ. Because God... <clears throat> So many people worry about walking in righteousness and not making a mistake. And we always heard, the, you know, the, 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 uh, <clears throat> the path of life is very narrow. It's very narrow. And don't make a mistake. So most people are walking through their Christian walk like this. Uh, Christians, I don't want to make a mistake. Uh, oh, oh, no, I hope I didn't step over the line. Ah! And they worry about every little thing. It's so narrow. that This is the way of righteousness. Don't make a mistake. And if you do, you're done. But it's not what God said because that narrow gate is Jesus Christ. Amen? So coming in to Christ is a narrow gate. But what happens when that shepherd opens up the gate and brings the sheep in? 
What do the sheep get to do? They run wild. They can go anywhere they want. So when you come into the kingdom of God, anywhere you want to go, you can go. There's nothing saying you can't go somewhere. I remember uh, listening to Ravi Zacharias, uh, and he was talking with, um, uh, oh, he set up an appointment with the number two imam in the world. One's in Mecca, one's in Medina, the two top guys. And he worked at it for a while, and he said, I just want to have a meeting, and I want to ask one question. And so the guy afforded him that. And I forget whether he went to Medina or or Mecca. And he comes in, these guys all got AK-47s, and they're strapped and knives and everything else on them. And it's just Ravi walking in. And he walks into the number two guy. And he sits down with him, and he honors the man. Listen, we need to honor those, even though they don't believe the same way that we do. Amen? Because if you don't build a relationship, you're never going to have an opportunity. If you don't just encourage and say, hey, listen, I respect you. You're serious about what you believe. How about we have a little conversation and then ask questions? So he said, uh, he said number, the number two imam, they went back and forth and encouraged each other. And he said, I just have one question for you. Is there any compulsion in the Muslim religion? And the guy said, no, there is no compulsion. These, we all worship Allah because we love him. And he said, okay then why is it when they leave, you cut their heads off? The guy flipped out. Guy's yelling, God, meeting was over. Everything is done. Ravi's on his way out, and he's leaving <clears throat> because there is compulsion, and if they don't want to do exactly what they're told, then there's problems. <clears throat> and so when we come in, sometimes we treat people that way. If we don't get the answer we want, ah, or else we get an attitude. Listen, you're free to be kind. You're free to be giving. You're free to love. You're free to do the work of the ministry. There's nothing holding anyone back in here from doing all the work of the ministry. Every woman, every young lady, every man, every young boy, every child can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Can we agree with that? My mom, she... Uh, my mom takes walks. My mom's 78. She's had two new hips, a new knee, and uh, she's out of her mind when it comes to the things of God. She just loves God. She went to work at the VA, the Veterans Medical Center up in Albany, New York, and she was bringing blood and just delivering it, you know, to different rooms, just volunteering. And so these old guys would be sitting in the rooms, and she would just go in and lay hands on them and start praying for them. And she would lead them to Christ in the VA. And then they came and they said, listen, you can't do that here. The only, one you can, the only way you can do it is if you make an appointment with the priest and then that person goes down to the priest and the priest pay, prays for them. You can't do that here. Yeah. Yeah, these guys can go and they can give their lives for this country, but you can't pray for them in the VA. And she said, oh, okay. So she stepped back and started delivering the blood, and then she just snuck into every room and just started praying for people. She was leading men to Christ. And so about the fourth time they caught her, they threw her out of the VA. So she's, she's banned from the VA. Oh, that Christians would have a testimony that we got thrown out of every decent place there was according to the standard of the world for doing the works of God. Amen? But how many of those men did she lead to Christ before they went to meet their maker because they were old men and they were, they were dying? And she got to bless them. She got to lead them to Christ. And then she takes her walk up the, old, the, the, the road that she's... My mom and dad have lived in the same house since 64. They have the same phone number since 64. Nothing has changed. And uh, my father doesn't like change. 
So my mom takes her walk, and four little boys are sitting there playing along the road. And so she just stops and talks to them and says hi to the boys. And they said hi to her the next day. She went out for a walk in the afternoon. The four boys were playing there again. She stopped and said, hi, guys. And the mother came out. My mom said, uh, are these your boys? She said, yeah, they are. My mom said, uh, would it be okay if I came and I took them and brought them to church? The lady said, yeah, that's fine. Never met my mother before in her life. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom says, all right, I'll pick him up on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, and I'll take him to church, and then I'll bring him back. But I'm going to get him something to eat after church. That okay? Yeah, that's fine. Get him something to eat. And uh, her husband knew my mom. She found out later on. Mom brings him to church, and everybody in the church falls in love with these boys because they are not in a good place at all. They're not loved. Uh, three of them are from one lady. The one boy is the favorite, and we all know how that goes. So mom starts bringing him to church. The next thing you know, my mom is starting to teach him every time on the way to church and on the way back from church, this is how you pray for people, boys. Listen, this is how you live as a Christian. This is what you do. You just lay hands on them. One little boy gets in the car the next day. He said, Miss Judy? She said, yeah, what? He said, my brother, he twisted his ankle. He was in a lot of pain. So I laid my hand on him and I prayed for him and God healed him. He's seven years old. <clears throat> you see, we're free in the name of Jesus Christ, to teach the littlest to the oldest. It doesn't matter. And then the government came in and took all four boys out of the house. And now they live with one of the families in the church. Never did any foster care training, nothing. They just came to him and they said, hey, listen, would you take all four boys? We don't have no place to put them. They said, sure, we'll take them. Some family that just happened to be in the church, just worshiping God. And they went from no kids in the house at 58 years old to four boys, two five-year-olds, a six and a seven. Things changed in their house in a hurry. Yeah. Now when I see him, he's, he's a retired major from the Army. Except when I see him coming in, I say, hey, John, how you doing? Good. I'm fine. You see, sometimes when you step out and you say, Lord, use me. Open up the doors, Lord. We'll do anything you ask. Whatever you desire, Father, we'll do. But you see, that's the freedom that we have. Doesn't matter who comes, my mom takes a walk of freedom just to say, hey, boys, let me tell you about Jesus. Ma'am, is it okay to take him? She never expected the mother to let her take him. And next thing you know, these five, six-year-old boys are praying for one another, and they're getting healed. This is what happen, happens when we come into a place of freedom. When we come into a place where we're not worried about man's opinion, when we don't care any longer, God just starts opening up door after door after door. I took a prayer walk from Wayne's house today. I was walking down the street, and I see this guy had a beard down to here cleaning his Chevy pickup truck. <clears throat> and I was walking by, a black Chevy, and I said, uh, I didn't know Duck Dynasty moved to Arizona. <laughs> and uh, he said, he just started laughing, and he said, yeah, I ain't Duck Dynasty. I said, all right. And that was all I needed. He answered me. He didn't look at me, throw nothing at me or none of that stuff, you know. So I walked over and I said, what's your name? Jeremiah. We shook hands. He's, ex, he's ex-military, hurt his ankle. He's disabled. He uh, grew up in a Christian home, but because of what he went through, he's walked away from the faith. So we got to talk. He believe, he's agnostic. He said, I know there's something out there, but I don't know if I can agree. It's a lot to swallow with the Word of God. It was crammed down my throat, blah, blah, blah. And his wife, she's Spanish, and she's over there. You got to have faith. And I said, come on, girl. I said, come on, girl, preach it. You, you come on over here. She said, and I shared something, and she's over there. Yeah, you preach it. You tell him about it it was just because i just said hi you look like duck dynasty and for the next 25 minutes we talked about the things of god 
you know, and then I just stayed in my prayer walk, and I'm walking around, and this old gentleman, I see him come out of the house, and he goes in the mailbox, and I see him open it, nothing. Ah, they're not here again yet today. And I said, are they late again today? I don't know when he gets his mail. I'm not from around here. <clears throat> he said, they're late just about every day. I said, that's a terrible thing, you know, and he said, yeah, it's a pain. He said, you like vegetables? <laughs> Sure, I love vegetables. I want to. Sh- well, they're in my garage. I'll be right over. And I'll cross the street, and I went over and met this guy. We wa- he opens up his garage door, and there's tomatoes and a watermelon. I brought, gave the Wayne squash, cucumbers, and he works at the food pantry the, with the Catholic Church, and he had excess. And so I walked into there. He says, "Take whatever you want." I said, "All right." I didn't take much. I just took what, you know, what I thought was righteous, and uh, I was thinking, "Man, I'll just I'll take it all." And then I'll just walk down the street and find other people and say, hey, would you like a watermelon? Hey, would you like it? That was my thought. But I said, I'll just take it. I put stuff in the bag, and then I'm walking. I'm like, I got talking to this guy. I forgot where Wayne lives. (laughs) Now I'm carrying a watermelon. I got tomatoes, a cucumber, and squash. and I don't know which way to go, but thank goodness I thought, oh, wait a minute. We put a waypoint on my phone where his house was, so I had to bring up Google Maps and figure out my way back. But before I left his house... I said, uh, he said, well, I work over there at the Catholic Church at the food. I said, that's wonderful. I said, but before I go, can I pray for you? He said, yeah, I'd like that. He's probably 80 years old. I don't know how old he was. I just grabbed his hand and just started praying for him. The tears just started running down his eyes. Because, you know, in the Catholic Church, they don't get a lot of prayer one-on-one. But I'm free to take his vegetables, to pray for him, and then just to love on him. And there is a seed sown. And I know the words that I spoke won't return void. I know the words that I spoke over Jeremiah's life won't return void. You see, because right now, Jeremiah, the boy with the beard, he's sitting there right now, and he's thinking about what I had said. And the Holy Spirit is just bringing that back, bringing it back, and chipping away at the hardness of his heart. And then one day, you'll see him here. Because we're going to get some more vegetables from John, and we're going to bring him to Jeremiah. All right, every week you get John's leftovers and bring him to Jeremiah. He's got kids. We're going to set it up here. We're going to have a little trade going on in the, in the community where you live. <clears throat> but I, I said all of that because I want you to know how powerful you are. You're mighty to the pulling down and breaking strongholds over people's lives. Here's Jeremiah. He's got the beard, the sunglasses on. He's polishing his rims. <clears throat> yeah, I was army. Blew out my ankle. I'm an agnostic. Oh, yeah? And what book are you reading? What are you standing on? Well, it's just what I think. I said, right, and your whole family's following you and what you think? I said, I, I need a little bit more than that, Jeremiah. He took off his glasses. Well, that's just what I believe. All right, can I tell you what I believe? Sure. So he polished all four rims, wiped down the whole side of his truck. He waxed the hood of his truck, and by the time he got done with all of that, I got done giving him the salvation message of who <laughs> Jesus Christ is. <laughs> And I told one time he stopped, so I looked at him and I said, don't stop, keep polishing your truck, because I know if he's distracted, he'll be listening, and I'll be able to keep preaching. <clears throat> but you see, when, what happens is when, when you get free, we only think about ways that we can pour into someone else. You have everything that they need. Because if you have Christ, you lack nothing. You lack good, no, no good thing. He said all power and authority was given to him, right? And he gave it to the church. And we're the church. Therefore, all power and authority is yours. And no matter what the issue, issue is or the situation is in other people's lives, you can walk in and you can bring deliverance. 
You can walk in and bring healing in emotions, in the mind, in the body. There's nothing lacking. The difference is, do you believe it? Right? In John, he says that even though you'll die, yet shall you live. And then the most important question comes right after that. Do you believe this? That's what Jesus asked. You know, and we need to ask that question to the church. Because once you're no longer afraid of death, that's the greatest thing that everybody was afraid of. Now, if I'm not afraid of dying, I don't care. Hey, look at that guy's guy's out of control. All right, let me go visit him. Because I'm not afraid of dying. Somebody's got to go tell him the truth. Once that fear is gone and you know where you're going, now you have freedom. And once you believe that your God supplies all of your needs, and man doesn't, that's another revelation that the church needs to get. Instead of walking around whining and sniveling, so many times people come up, how you doing? Doing all right. You know, I'm just I'm working hard. I'm just really trying, Pastor. Uh, and I just, you know, I just haven't had Starbucks in a while. <laughs> you know, I just don't have the extra $13 to buy a stupid cup of coffee. And they come up and they whine, hoping that you're going to give it to them. Can we stop whining? Can we just stop begging and just live according to the word of God and thank God for him meeting all of our needs? And when we have one, cry out to him. Because he said, when you cry out in secret, that's when I'm going to start to change your life. He said, you're crying out in public. Hey, look what I did. Look where I went. Look how many people I prayed for. Look how many people I led to Christ. You've just robbed yourself. You've fulfilled all your, all your whole goal, all your, your gifts and all the praise is all you're going to get because you were bragging before men. But when we walk in, Father, just give me one more. And so if you saw that movie Hacksaw Ridge, where the guy was a Seventh-day Adventist, and he wouldn't carry a gun in the army, and these guys berated him and belittled him and mocked him, everything. They were a horrible, beat him up. And he said, I don't care what you do to me. I'm not carrying a gun. You know, there's language in it and stuff. <clears throat> And one day they had a battle and they had to go up this hill. And he was a medic. So he ran up the hill and he carried one guy to the side and he lowered him down. And then he ran back in and got another guy that was wounded and he lowered him down. And his prayer every time was, Lord, help me, give me the strength for get, to get one more. Lord, let me find one more. Oh, God, get me one more. Lord, give me the strength to get one more. I think he brought like 32 guys down that were wounded down this cliff and dropped them off. You know what happened after that battle? Nobody wanted to go to war unless he was with them. You see, when we say, if the church would cry out, Lord, help me to pray for one more. Help me to give to one more. Help me to bless one more. Give me one more day breathing, oh God, that I can serve you one more. That somebody else's life is changed by your loving kindness and what you brought into my life. And so I want to encourage you that the excuses that the church has used for the last 30 years, we've got to lay them all down. Because you are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. You're mighty. And as far as the healing goes, in the Garden of Eden, we see when God created Adam and Eve, did did he make them perfect? He said it was good, amen? And what God created was something beautiful and perfect and completely healthy. And then we see in Acts 10.38 where it says that Jesus went around doing good, and what did he do when he was doing good? He healed how many? All those, right. So we see when the Word of God comes, wherever the Word comes, wherever the Word is, healing is. Can we agree with that? Right, because wherever Jesus walked, He went around doing good, loving on people, building them up, 
neither condoning nor condemning anyone. And then <clears throat> those that were hurting, like the woman that got caught in adultery, he didn't condone what she did and he didn't condemn what she did. But wherever he walked, healing was. So wherever the word is, healing is. And we've got to get that in our so when the when the word of God is in us, there's healing that takes place in us. And then when we bring the word out, there's healing that takes place in other people's lives. God's into healing people. That says, what did Jesus come to do to set the captives free? And when he set them free, he said he healed them of what? All their diseases. There was nothing left. And then God's so into healing that even in the book of Revelations, it says that the leaves of the trees are for what? The healing of the nations. So in Genesis, we see he made them good and healthy and whole. And then when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, we see that wherever he went, healing took place. And then even... In the book of Revelations, we see that the leaves are for the healing of the nations. God's a healer, and he desires to heal. But as we said in the men's meeting this morning, the bigger issue in the church is not that we have faith, but we have faith in our faith. Because a lot of people have faith, but they don't have any faith in their faith. That's why we say, can you pray for me, please? See, my faith isn't strong enough. I need your faith. I want to tap into yours. I have no faith in mine. But I've got faith in your faith because I remember when they said you prayed for that sparrow's broken leg and that, that bird flew away and was healed. Now I want to tap into your faith and I want to draw from you. But God's desire is that each one of us would walk in our faith and we would have faith in our faith that when you speak, God hears. When you speak, you know that your father in heaven says, ah, that's my little girl. That's my little boy. <clears throat> They'll have what they say and that's what that's what the word of god says he said you'll have what you say and so tonight as we uh <clears throat> just looked at the word a little bit different sorry brother i had uh, a different message i was going to preach but i just couldn't get it out of my heart that god wants to do something tonight in every single person here every single one you girls god wants to use you mightily but you're going to have to give yourselves you can't hang on to yourselves See, when you look in the mirror, my prayer is that you don't see who you are, but you see who he is in you. Because has, has any of us looked in the mirror and been so happy with what we look like? <laughs> nope. With men, there's a whole lot of sucking that goes on. <laughs> when we look in the mirror, everybody drawing it in, trying to hope that we look something different than what we really are. You see, but when we look in the mirror, we start to see Jesus Christ, Him magnified in us. The Christ in us, not we ourselves. Because it's not we that live, but it's Christ, right? And the life we live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us, and He's still loved us, and He's still loving us, and He's still giving to us, and He's still making a way for us. He hasn't changed anything in His attitude towards us, and that's good news. No matter how many times we messed up, his attitude towards us is the same. But we keep going back to what we've done wrong. He wants us to look in the mirror and remind ourselves of what he's done right. Because he's done it all right. Amen? He's made no mistake choosing you. He chose some amazing people down here in Tucson. He chose amazing pastors that are here. I don't know if there's any other pastors in here. I apologize if I don't know you're a pastor. But these two pastors here, he chose them. He chose Wayne and Michelle to come and to just proclaim his word. There's no pressure on him. He doesn't have to perform. So we can stop now. 
No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> I've heard it. You know, he's got his hat on. He's got bells and he's jumping around and trying to encourage people to walk in the Lord. No, he doesn't have to perform because he's not going in any competition against anyone else. He's just Wayne, and he does it just right for Marana. He does it just right. Charlie does it just right over there in Tucson. You see, because anyone that steps out in faith and proclaims Jesus Christ does it just right. We don't do it all right, but we do it just right. And then God helps us to grow day by day. It's always a cinch by the inch, but it's hard by the yard. Amen? We're always, oh, God, if I could just get here. He said, well, how about just read your Bible today? (sighs) Okay. It's a cinch by the inch. I read today. I'll read tomorrow. I read tomorrow night. I'll read the next day. And the next thing you know, you've read for a whole year. It's like, holy mackerel, Lord. I can't believe what you've done in my heart in the last year. It's a cinch by the inch. But it's hard when you're trying to become something. But we won't agree to the little disciplines that God's called us to in order to break loose the wrong thoughts in our minds. Because we've got a whole bunch of them. People have lied to you and said that you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not tall enough. You're not short enough. You're not smart enough. They said all of these things. And God said, "Ah, did you forget who made you? I made you. You're just right for what I want to do. I don't need anybody else. I need you. He said, I don't need anybody else in Marana. I need the group that's here. Because with them, we can set this whole city, this whole city of flight. We can set them all free. We can open up that door, and they all accept Jesus Christ. They walk in, and they just find their freedom. And no matter where we go in the world, God opens up doors. And he just keeps opening. And then you know what? People around the world, they start to meet you, and they don't have a clue who you are. But when they see the joy of the Lord on your face, it changes their lives. <clears throat> when I walked over, I walked over to Jeremiah's house today, and his daughter comes around the corner, and she says, Anybody ever tell you you look like John Cena? <laughs> I said, yeah, in Africa, in India, in Guatemala, everywhere I go. I get that, but you know what? I got to speak to that little girl's life. See, it doesn't matter what you look like. <clears throat> they just say, hey, you know you look like that? That's your, that's your opportunity Amen. to say, mm. I said, you know what you look like? She said, what's that? I said, God, you look just like him. He made you just right. She said, thank you. I was in the Philippines with, with my pastor, who's a bigger guy. And uh, <clears throat> we were walking down the street, and about 20 little Filipino guys, they, the kids all came running up. They were like, John Cena, John. I said, no, I'm not. And then my pastor came around. He's got a white goatee like this gentleman here. He came around. He's a big guy. And all the kids ran over, Santa Claus. <laughs> and he was like, shut up, kid. Get out of here. And, uh, <clears throat> but God will use what we look like just to draw somebody or what we act like. Some people have said, you got some, you got some quirky ways. Yeah, and I'm going to reach some quirky people. Some people said, you're kind of strange. Yeah, I am. And I meet some strange people. And God called me to lead some strange ones to Jesus Christ. And we've got some strange ones in our church, let me tell you. And what God can do through you. We've got one gentleman. He was in prison for 18 years. He was the leader of the Latin Kings in New York, in, uh, in Hudson. He had 4,000 guys under him. And he ran drugs and anything else they could run <clears throat> from New York City all the way out to, I think, Buffalo or whatever. About an eight-hour ride. 
between those places and all the small towns in between. <clears throat> Our guys preaching the jail all the time. The last year of his 18-year prison sentence, he had about three or four teardrops on the side of his cheek. <clears throat> he comes to the service every Saturday night. Our guys go in there and they preach in the jail every Saturday night. And you know what their biggest complaint is? We don't see a lot of fruit because it's a revolving door a lot of times in a county jail. And I said, uh, they said, you know, do you think we should do something different? I said, yes, I do. They said, what do you think we should do? I said, preach the word. They said, we are preaching the word. I said, then there's nothing else we can do. I said, but the word of God is going to change people's lives. For one year, every Saturday night, Juan came to the class. And he sat there, and these guys preached, and they preached their heart out. And one guy would ask him every time, Juan, you ready? No, man, I ain't ready yet. Juan Sintron was his name, or is his name. Every Saturday night, Juan, you ready? No, man, I ain't ready yet. At the end of that year, he said one more time, Juan, are you ready? He said, yeah, I'm ready. And he gave his heart to the Lord. He got out of, got out of jail, and he came to the church. He comes walking in the door, tatted all up. He's got his little beads in his hair, and he, his pants are down a little bit. And he's, you know, he's got the, the thing going on. And I asked him if he had a bad knee or something, and he said no. <laughs> and as soon as he comes in the door and I meet him and we talk, one of the state troopers comes up to me and says, you'll pass. You need to stay away from that guy. Keep, you better keep an eye on that. That guy is no good. You have no idea what history his history is, but it is bad. He's one of the worst guys that's in this area. And I said, everybody deserves a second chance. I said, I understand. You know things I don't know, and I don't want to know what you know. I know what he said, and that's what I'm going to pour into this young man. He's 30-some years old, 37 years old, 18 of those 37 years in prison. <clears throat> so he comes in. He gets involved in the church. He starts helping out with food pantry. <clears throat> I start spending time with him. I start praying with him and encouraging him in the word. He just starts weeping and crying. Now every time he comes to church, yo, poppy. He calls me his dad. Yo, papi, come here. And he just hugs on me and he loves on me. And every time we get together, he just he weeps and he cries. And he made a mistake and he walked away for a little while and I called him up. He came back to church and then when his couple of his friends come, so I walk over to him and I take him and I just shove him and I hit him up against the wall. I said, about time you got your sorry butt back in church. Yo, papi, I'm sorry. <laughs> and his friends are standing there. Because his street name was Justin. You don't touch Just because he'll kill you. That was just the way that they thought. And uh, so he comes up to me afterwards. Juan comes up to me and says, yo, pass. You can't do that in front of these guys, man. You can't be shoving me around. I said, it's all right. You only brought two of them. You'll need more than that just to take care of me. And he, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't touch you, pass. I, I can't go there. So we go on vacation. We go on vacation, I asked Juan, I said, hey, listen, you know, you're staying at your grandma's house. You want to watch our house for a little while? <clears throat> and a couple of the elders overheard me. They said, hey, Pez, are you out of your mind? <laughs> this guy's been 18 years in prison. He run the Latin Kings. He's only saved for about four months right now. He doesn't know a whole lot about Jesus Christ. I said, I trust him. We were leaving from Mississippi, so I said, hey, Juan, this is what I need. I took him out to my house. In my house, we're out in the country, and there's, you can't see any houses. There's a four-acre pond. <clears throat> and so we take him out, showed him everything. Just got to take care of the dog and the fish. Juan says, yeah, I can, I can take care of that. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. He couldn't find my house. He got lost two or three times trying to get there because <clears throat> he's always used to being in the city. That's where they hang. So we come home, and <clears throat> everything was fine. And 
Everything was perfect. I showed them because I had guns in the house. I said, look, they're locked up in this past. Lock that, lock that door. Lock this. I don't want to see that. I get caught in the house. Where there's, I'm going back to prison. I don't want to go back to prison past, all right? I'm just telling you where our guns are that we hunt with. He's like, yeah, just lock everything. Lock the whole downstairs. I don't want anything to do with it, all right? We come home, and he leaves, and my neighbor comes over. They said, uh, what was going on of your house the last seven days? I said, uh, I don't know what. He said, your outside lights were on, your inside lights were on all night. I don't know. So I bring Juan over for lunch. I say, hey, Juan, what happened? We leave, and the neighbor said that all night long, the lights are on outside, inside. What happened? You'll pass, he says. What, are you kidding me? You don't know what's in that swamp out there, man. It's crazy out here. (laughs) He was petrified of something coming out of the swamp and eating him in the middle of the night. So he brought my dog into bed with him. My dog does not go in the bed in our house, okay? Humans sleep in my bed, not a dog. He had the dog in the bed. He had the door locked. He had a dresser up against the door. He had the lights on. Yeah, I'm a big Latin king. Just don't bring me in the country, man. I'm scared. And so the next time we let him watch the house, the neighbors came back, and they said, oh, you guys want vacation again? Yeah. Yeah, we, we saw the lights on all night, every night. And I'm saying all of that to say what it looks like on the outside. Because you see, what I find out later is Juan, when he was five and six, his aunt would babysit him. His father would beat him. And so he hated his dad. And then his aunt would watch him and his brother, who was, he was, he was seven, his brother was six, and he was, she would break glass bottles and make him walk on a broken glass barefoot. And then she would have them do sexual things to her when she would babysit him at five, six, and seven, and eight, and nine, and ten. And so the abuse and the pain, they, he just hated, and he just wanted to hurt because he had so much pain inside of him. And that's all he knew. So the gang was a great place. And because he was so ferocious in the gang, he started walking up the ranks real fast. But it was all because he was hurt. It was all because he was busted up inside. And so then when I just brought him into the house... I bought him clothes. I bought him food. We got him put up in a place. And you know what? He comes back all the time. He still owes me money. And uh, he asked me a day, you'll pass. Can I get 25 bucks, man? You know? And I said, no, get a stinking job. Pass, I'm looking for a job. I said, good. When you get one, you'll get money. I'm done. You still owe me money. Pass, come on, man. I said, no, you owe me 400 bucks. I ain't giving you no more money. Get a job. All right. Hey, Poppy, thanks, man. I love you. <laughs> you know, everybody else is like, oh, here comes Juan. Oh, here comes Joss. Oh, here comes this one. Oh, can I just tell you, we got to stop looking at what we see. God doesn't look at us what he sees. He looks in here because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And all the issues of life flow out of the heart. And so tonight, I said all that because if that's you, if they're going on in your life and you're not free, you know who you are. You know what's going on. Or maybe, maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe it's a knee. Maybe it's a back. <clears throat> I have faith in my faith that when I lay hands, God does the work. When we speak to it, and I share with the men this morning, when Peter saw the paralytic sitting there, <clears throat> the paralytic sitting there, he just walked up and he said, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, make your bed. He didn't have to memorize 27 healing scriptures. That's what we do. Hoping that God will move when we quote enough scripture, right? We try to get to a place where, okay, now we got to work this up. No, we don't have to work up nothing. We don't have to work up nothing. When you come up tonight, whoever needs prayer, we're just going to simply lay our hands on you. And I don't want you praying in tongues. 
How many people, right? They have to try to work. Uh, come on, we got to do something. Yes, we do. We have to agree with what he said. Healing is not difficult. People are difficult. God made it very simple for every one of us. And so tonight, you know, if you need healing for anything, I don't care whether it's your emotions, whether it's your heart, whether it's your body, whether it's your past, because if your past is controlling you, you need to come up for prayer. If there's a thought about what you've done, what's been done to you, like Juan, he couldn't get the thoughts out of his mind of what people did to him. He couldn't get him out of there. But then once somebody just accepted him completely, he just weeps and cries every time he comes to my office. 37 years old, 18 years in prison, hardened criminal, and he just cries like a baby. One of the pastors in the church took Juan, and they went down street, and his cousin was in from Pittsburgh, another Latin king. Great big old boy, about 340, 6'4". And Juan says, come on, we got to go meet my cousin. So Pastor Bob Tate drives down there. Juan's in the front seat, and his cousin gets in the back seat of Bob's car, and Bob's sitting there, and he's 70 years old. Bob's like, this could go real bad real fast. There ain't nothing I'm doing. This guy punches me in the back of the head. And we always have them thoughts, don't we? Some, when I said, hey, we're going to have prayer. Oh, I'm not going up front of anybody. Same thing. So Pastor Bob sat there, and this guy is another one. Tear drops on his cheek. Pastor Bob gets done sharing Christ. The guy's crying in the back seat, accepts Jesus Christ, goes home to Pittsburgh and quits the Latin Kings. He says, I can't do it. I'm following Jesus Christ now. And that's the only way out. And when Juan said, I'm not being a Latin King anymore, I'm out. I quit. He said, you know that's not the way it works. And we're coming to your house and giving you a beat down. Juan said, so I had to go to my cousin's house, man, passed. I'm sorry, but I had to go borrow his ratchet, you know. And then I went back and I just waited. Five days later, six guys show up at my house. He said, they come through the door and they said, you know, we're giving you a beat down because you don't walk away from the kings. He said, so I ratcheted one into the chamber and he said, I'm a bad guy and I'm going to die, but you're all going with me. And they said, no, man, we ain't going that far. Come on. Yo, just back it down, man. It's all right. And they left. And he said, I'm following God. I'm not doing anything else. I'm not quitting. I am following God and I'm out of the kings. And they've never bothered him since. <clears throat> God does the miraculous because you don't leave the Latin kings. You don't leave these gangs. But with God, all things are possible. His cousin, 6'3", 340 pounds, went back to Pittsburgh. Hey, I'm out. I quit. I'm following God. One by one, his family members are all coming in. Because one guy said, yeah, I'll do it. He's not doing it all right. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> He's walking up the street with his son. And two guys from the Bloods were sitting in a car. And they're eyeballing him. And just get going, going, no. And they said something about his ex-wife that was standing there and his son. So Juan comes back and he's all, I'm sorry, pass, I failed. What do you mean you failed? He said, these guys said, so I couldn't take it, man. They said about my son, my ex-wife. So it was like, and firecracker. I said, firecrackers? Yeah, blood just shooting out their nose, you know, like firecrackers, just blowing out their... He said, I hit the guy in the passenger seat. I ran around, hit the guy in the driver's seat. I said, you cannot do that. I'm sorry, Pass. I told you I failed, man. I just failed. I said, well, we're going to have to find them guys. You're going to have to, you know, apologize to them. Yo, Pass. We don't apologize to bloods. I said, those are God's sons, and you'll apologize to them. All right, Poppy. I'll go apologize to them. <clears throat> can I tell you? You're not going to do it all right. He did it for us. So tonight, you want to grab that guitar, Roy? And uh, just play a little bit. And the first thing I want to do is, I just want to pray for Wayne. And I need you guys to stretch your hands forward. 
Because, you know, this is a night. We, we have some freedom here tonight. Amen? We've got some freedom just to do the business of God. And that's all I want to do. I want to encourage you in the things of God. I want to teach you the word of God. And then we want to act on the word of God. We've had enough teaching, haven't we? And I think that the church sometimes uses prayer as a crutch. Well, brother, I just got to go pray about it. I just got to go pray about it because we're afraid. But tonight, we're going to step out in faith and we're going to believe God. And we're going to have faith in your faith tonight. Amen? Father, we just come before you. And I thank you for my friend. I thank you for my brother. I thank you for the man of God that you have made him. Father, we agree that these hands are the hands of a warrior. A warrior of righteousness. Father, that as he worships you, strongholds are falling all over this city. As he worships you, O God, and he proclaims your name, you're glorified. And Father, every demon is starting to flee. When that light shines through his life and his beautiful bride's life, Father, we thank you that when he walks, where that light goes, darkness has to flee. And every shadow in people's lives will be exposed. We thank you for the wisdom, Father, that you're giving him now. And the word of knowledge. Father, for everyone that comes in, that he would see past the exterior. And he would see the heart. And he would say, come, God wants to set you free. And they would say, free from what? And he would say, because of this that you've experienced. Because of this is what you're walking. Hey, I see God meeting a need and opening up a door. I see God supplying this. Father, that you would give him those words of wisdom. And words of knowledge. And Father, the courage to step out. Thank you, Father, that as one comes through, maybe even he's not sure at times, but Father, he steps out in obedience because it's another season. It's another time that you have brought him into. And Father, right now, it's a season of receiving. Lord, we agree that there's no delay this year. In all the prayers that have been going up from Marana and around, Father, we agree that now the fruit will come. Now the prayers will be answered. Now victory is theirs. And Father, we thank you for a strong marriage in the name of Jesus. Father, that he would build his wife up day by day. He would remind himself always and her of how, how blessed of a man he is to have a wife that's in love with you, laying her life down for the cause of Christ. And Father, for each one of His children, that they will walk with you. We break every curse, every lie, every, every addiction, every thought, Father, every um, thought of depression or every thought of rejection. Father, whatever it is that every child walks through, Father, we break it over their lives. And we speak health and life and peace. In the name of Jesus, you're a restorer, a rebuilder, and a repairer. Father, we stand on your word tonight, and we say, throw out your tent pegs, for there's a harvest coming. Father, we thank you right now that his body is healed in the name of Jesus. From the top of his head, he's strong to the tip of his toes, O oh God. And Lord, that he would find such joy in your word that when others are running all over the place, he would say, no, I can't 
because I have to get into the Word. No, I can't. I can't be there today because I can't leave my prayer closet. God is showing things to me. He's speaking things to me. And oh, His love is amazing and it's filling it to overflowing. And I have to climb in there with Him. There's no greater place on the planet. Thank you, Father, that as He speaks, He would bring life and health and strength to everyone that walks in. Thank you, Father, for a man who said, I'll stand and I'll be counted and I'll stand on the Word of God and I shall not be moved. And Father, let him know that each one of us will be lifting him up and this house up and the vision up and the plan up and the purpose up before you. Thank you for a beautiful gift from Marana. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.